The following podcast contains Santa spoilers. You'll know it is time to skip ahead when you hear this sound. Warning! All right, start the show. Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, now with 200% more punky power. We've got a very special edition for you today, so let's turn around back to 1984 to spend Christmas with the girl who turns our world around. It's Punky Brewster, as she learns to believe that, yes, Punky, there is a Santa Claus. Maybe the world is blind, or just a little giving the gift of an oversized poster of myself that may or may not bear a passing resemblance to Miss Piggy, Mike Westfall. And joining me is former sad raindrop who has matured into a beautiful snowflake. It's Adam Pope. Welcome back, Adam. Hey, Mike. Me glomer. Me love talk about punky friend on Christmas. Oh, wait. (laughs) Wrong Punky Brewster. Oh, Punky. For now. For now. We will, <laughs> we will revisit that in another time. But first, I wanted to do this one. Uh, and here to pass on the thoughtful gift of his grandmother's old dentures, please welcome back our pal, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Great. Thank you both for joining me. And thank you, Stephen, for requesting this episode. I love this episode. This is something I try to watch every single year. So really happy to talk about it. That's great. I don't think I've watched it for maybe 30 years. It's been a while. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Uh, And as Adam mentioned, uh, the cartoon spinoff, It's Punky Brewster, which did have a Christmas in July episode. But I figured we should cover this first. Definitely. This is definitely the winner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, so let's talk about our personal histories with Punky Brewster, and we'll start with you, Stephen. I always had a kind of lifelong obsession with the show. Uh, my mom and I used to watch it when it would air on Sunday nights. Uh, it was kind of a special treat. And then I would watch reruns, and then it didn't run, I want to say, for like at least 10 years. It wasn't running in my area. And so, like, in college, I I tried to track down tapes of it. I found an It's Punky Brewster tape at Goodwill. Nice. Um, so, yeah, and then I made a short film in college kind of inspired by Punky Brewster. So it was a real uh, love affair with me and the show. Which I got to say, I, I have watched this. Uh, where he, he could name the character Franny Canada in this movie, and it is just so much fun. And, and my favorite part is she has a confrontation with her stalker at the end. And after he decides to go straight and stop following her, she's trying to convince him to keep being a creep so that at least one person <laughs> will be interested in her romantically on oh, some no. level. 
it's awesome it's it's it's, that movie is now like 20 years old so i can't (laughs) i can't justify everything i did back then but yeah well it was fun to make if we're not getting better what's the use exactly uh adam what about you Oh, I'm very similar to Steven here. See, Punky Brewster was definitely the first primetime sitcom that I paid attention to, like as a four-year-old. And she was my first celebrity crush. And so my mom's favorite story about me as a kid is that one day when she was running a daycare out of our house, all the kids disappeared and it just got too quiet. So she's following the sound of giggling to her home office where I was on the phone having dialed the operator and all the other kids are huddled around me. And I'm asking, can you connect me to Punky Brewster's house? <laughs> so, <laughs> he loves it. I never did get to talk to Soleil Moon Fry, but maybe Duh. someday. Oh, too bad. <laughs> but, you know, I also just have to mention it has probably my favorite 80s theme song. By Gary Portnoy. Wow. I just love like this theme song. Just, you know, it kind of takes me back to being a child and it's very emotional and sweet. And yeah, I just love the Gary Portnoy theme who also did the Cheers theme song. Yes, he did. Yeah. And Mike, you mentioned the cartoon series. I mean, honestly, I was a bigger fan of the cartoon series. Like it was just, it was a a must watch for me, but I definitely enjoyed the live action adventures of Punky Brewster. So. Yeah, I think I also watched the cartoon first before I ever realized it was based on a live action sitcom. At least that's how I remember it. And then I started watching the show. This might have been the first. Was it the first primetime show I watched? I'm not counting my parents watching MASH in the other room. Yeah, (laughs) that doesn't count. But uh, it wasn't one that I have really returned and rewatched since the 80s, I think. So this may very well have been the first couple of episodes of the show I've watched in 35 years. Crazy. Yeah, I know I didn't catch this particular episode the night it aired, or episodes, I should say. This is actually two episodes that aired at an hour-long special on Sunday night, December 16th, 1984, on NBC. Followed immediately by another special I covered last year, Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis in A Christmas Dream. What an amazing night of television. Yes. I did not know those aired on the same night. That's crazy history right there. That's according to TV Tango. And then I saw like a set of promos that teased a different episode of Punky Brewster. So, but I'm pretty sure they lined up together. But that's incredible. But for the benefit of those listening who maybe also haven't watched the show in over 30 years, let us briefly refresh everyone's memories on. The History Which ran for two seasons on NBC from 1984 to 1986, and then two more seasons in syndication from 87 to 88. The titular Punky Brewster is an eight-year-old girl abandoned by her parents and taken in by grumpy but good-hearted old landlord Henry Warnemont who finds Punky and her dog Brandon living alone in an empty apartment in Chicago. I always assumed this show was created after seeing the success of the movie adaptation of Annie a couple years before. Did you guys get that same sort of vibe? Possibly. I never made that connection. Yeah, but I could totally see it. The dog, too. Yeah. It was also, like, the 80s was a time when... They wanted you to believe that your parents could either abandon you or drop dead on you 
at any second. Yeah, really? Like different strokes, Webster, all these shows were about kids <laughs> on their own. And it was a terrifying prospect. It really was now that I think about it. And now that you also mentioned, I had different strokes in the back of my mind. Uh, but Webster, yeah, that too. That or a creepy old British man would come to live in your house or a college <laughs> student would be in charge of you. It was yeah. just the 80s were out of control. They were. Okay. <laughs> but I definitely always got an Annie sort of vibe from Soleil Moonfry as Punky, who is fantastic here. Yeah, yeah, she's she's amazing in this show. It's one of those things where she's definitely not performative. Like I always think of Jerry Superior who played Jamie on Small Wonder. He's like laughing at his own jokes. He knows he's <laughs> in a show. Yeah. But Soleil Moonfry is just so sincere. She just, no wonder like America fell in love with her. We wanted to see her in everything, you know? Oh, absolutely. All the kids on the show are like that though. It's it like, True. it has some great child performances. I always loved uh, Casey Ellison as Alan Anderson. Oh, yes. <laughs> we will get to him. Yes, okay. but you are absolutely right. They're all fantastic. And a lot of them, I didn't realize until researching this episode, recently returned to their roles as adults in a reboot of Punky Brewster in 2021. I missed that. Did either of you catch it? Oh, I watched it. Me too. I watched every episode. I, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was an interesting idea uh, to bring it back, but I, I don't think it quite matched, you know, the the feeling of this show, which I'm sure we'll get into the tone of it shortly here. But it was definitely great to see everybody again, but uh, I didn't connect with it on the same emotional level. Well, let's get as we talk about this episode and the kind of <laughs> twists and turns, we have to hit the payoff of the new Punky Brewster season. Yes, because it it was it was astonishing to me that they went there. But anyway, we'll we'll move on. All right. Well, uh, that that is definitely out there. It's on Peacock if you're interested. Uh, but I also remember Soleil Moonfry showing up in later seasons of Sabrina the Teenage Witch as Sabrina's roommate. Yep, and even a one-off performance on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> oh, that's right. And Mark Paul Gosseler was on Punky Brewster as a boy she had a crush on on an episode also before yeah. Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that for a while. And then we have Punky's foster father, Henry, played by George Gaines. You only got two Christmas cards last year? Yes, and what's really annoying is I sent out three. <laughs> who had been acting in TV and film since the 1960s, but I think pretty much everyone in our age bracket knows him best for either this or as Commandant Lassard from Police Academy. That's true. He was also in the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, which I <laughs> was always he? have to mention. He plays a professor oh, for yeah. a wow. one scene. He opens the film. So, <laughs> yeah. And Tootsie. He was in Tootsie. Oh, yeah. Tootsie, of course. But I watched this first, so I remember watching Police Academy and thinking, hey, it's the guy from Punky Brewster. <laughs> George Gaines died in 2016 at age 98. Heck of a run. Yeah. Yeah. So according to NBC's former production head, Brandon Tartikoff, he took the name Punky Brewster from an actual girl he grew up with and had a crush on as a kid. He got permission from the real Punky to use her name for the character, and she even made a cameo on the show as a teacher very quickly. Yes, oh. I remember that. So let's find out how Punky and Henry's first Christmas together turns out, shall we? 
If you want to watch along, this is also on Peacock. It's on their free tier as of this recording. It is season one, episodes 12 and 13, but they're on there as a single episode. And we open at school in Punky's class, taught by Mrs. Morton. Boys and girls, we have now reached the high point of our day. The Punky players will present an original holiday production. So let's go on with the show. Played by Dodie Goodman. Are either of you familiar with her other work? Grease! Yes! I was so excited. It's funny, this week I was watching episodes of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, the Norman Lear (laughs) soap opera spoof, and she was in that. She was Mary Hartman's mother. Was she? Uh, I also recognize her voice from Alvin and the Chipmunks. She's Miss Miller. Yes. Here she's Mrs. Morton, who is very excited to introduce a holiday production by four of her students who call themselves the Punky Players (laughs) for a cute little show about how raindrops become snowflakes. Boy, feel that wind blow. It's really strong. Yeah, somebody ought to give their north wind a breath mint. (laughs) Boy, it's cold. I'm freezing. Something's happening to us. We're all turning into snowflakes. So I watched this with my wife, and she was so impressed. I mean, the writing and the the twist at the end. She thought that because her mom was a school teacher for like forty odd years, teaching elementary school, putting on productions, and she's like, "Oh, if her kids have put something like this together." They, they would have gotten an A plus for sure. I personally wrote and performed quite a few of these in-class skits throughout my school career. Oh, wow. I was more of the Margo, though. I took my starring performances <laughs> very seriously. You were the Margo. Interesting. I would not have predicted that. Someone has to be the Margo. That's okay. right. Uh, I need to show this to my wife. She teaches kindergarten at a school for the arts. So we'll see if this shows up in her lesson plans next year. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of teachers, Mrs. Morton's classroom just might be the most decorated classroom I've ever seen on TV. Yes, you got menorahs on the wall. You got every inch is covered. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the background in there. Yeah, there is a Hanukkah menorah up on the wall. Everybody's represented, at least those two, which for (laughs) 1984, that's pretty huge. That's pretty significant. It it also has the same layout as the Welcome Back Cotter classroom. And it always makes me think, (laughs) is it just the Welcome Back Cotter set (laughs) that they redecorated? It might be. Uh, They even have a full-size tree in the corner, which... I don't remember seeing in any of my classrooms growing up. Never so lucky, yeah. No. The other three members of the Punky Players uh, include Punky's best bud, Cherry Johnson, played by Cherry Johnson. Hey, look, there's a guy down there just finished washing his car. That's where I'm going to (laughs) land. That always cracked me up as a kid. I was like, her character is her real name? Nice and easy. Uh, She went on to be a regular on Family Matters as Laura's friend, Maxine Johnson. Yes. Uh, And she also came back for the Peacock series last year. And then we also have Margot, the diva of the trio, played by Amy Foster. The saddest raindrop by Punky Brewster. Yay! Starring America's sweetheart, Margot Kramer. <laughs> Who would later be an even bigger diva as Claire and Troop Beverly Hills. 
Yes. Oh, she is so fantastic. But you know, she was trying to break free in that one. She just wanted to be a normal kid, you know? That's right. <laughs> uh I also recognized Amy's voice as Holly on the Pound Puppies cartoon. Did y'all watch that? I did. I don't remember her on that. She was like the main girl who would hang out with the pound puppies. Oh. So I also have a video uh, that is, you know, like a large clamshell video of she she represented this stuffed animal. I don't know if you're seeing that on her IMDb here, but th- there was like this one off stuffed animal special they were trying to sell. What are they called? Wrinkles. wrinkles something. Speak wrinkles. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that commercial. Yeah. Yeah. She was in that yeah. commercial. They never quite got as uh, as popular as Pound Puppies did. We were definitely a Pound Puppies house. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, but I had a friend who had wrinkles, and they loved them. But uh, <laughs> uh, and Amy Foster was also two different Peanuts characters at two different points. She was Sally and Snoopy the musical, and then Lucy in the series This Is America, Charlie Brown. Probably need to cover that uh, <sighs> Mayflower Pilgrims episode at some point, but... I definitely hear that specific Lucy here as Margot. Yeah. Again, I never realized that. Neither did I until looking at her IMDb. But I like Margot better. She's not mean to anyone, at least not in this episode. Mm-hmm. She's just a spoiled kid who's too into herself. And it works. And she calls everyone peasants. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's the meanest <laughs> she gets, though. Uh, and finally... Playing the North Wind, we have the geeky Alan Anderson, played by Casey Ellison. Oh, I can't wait. I know you're going to love it, Cherry. <laughs> Teeth? <laughs> yeah, <with> my grandma's. <laughs> she bought new ones. The best. Oh, so great. Uh, he also played a minor role on Mr. Belvedere. Yes. Then had some one-off roles in shows like The Wonder Years and 21 Jump Street. Then it looks like he grew up to be a lighting technician, and he's worked on the cruise for the 2002 Spider-Man movie and the series Cold Case, and most recently, The Mandalorian and Obi-Wan Kenobi that's coming out. That is awesome. Yeah. Way to go, Casey Ellison. He was great on Mr. Belvedere. He was Wesley's best friend who wore the full headgear retainer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I got to go back and watch that, too. That's another one I haven't seen in a very long time. It's a great show. Well, after this performance, Mrs. Morton has to break the bad news to her class that despite her efforts, she has not been able to get Santa Claus to come visit her and her class. Hey, it's December. He's a bit busy. Uh, But she then reminds the kids that Christmas is a time for sharing and suggests they each think of something special to share with their parents this year. And that plants an idea in Punky's head, which we'll find out about later. But first, it's montage time. It's a real uh, quick cut over to this montage. There's no setup for it at all. You're just like, whoa, okay, what are we doing here? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a quick cut and then a really long montage. It, it's about a minute and a half, which is long for a sitcom. Yeah, it, it was a real filler. <laughs> yeah, but it but it was a nice sequence. You have Punky and Henry trying to take Christmas card photos together with Brandon the dog in a Santa hat and beard and shenanigans ensue. 
he is a pro. His looking over the shoulder smile is so funny. Like, when, like you see, there's all this stuff with Henry trying to get him to pose, and then finally at the end, he just kind of looks back, like, "Ain't I a stinker?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets to lick the envelopes, all two of them, because that's how many Christmas cards Henry got last year, which gives Punky the idea to give out cards to everyone in the building. <laughs> So Henry tries to sneak a rent notice in with the cards, and that is initially where I thought this episode was going to go, with Henry being more Scrooge-like than normal. But no, it's just played for a gag here. And I gotta say, as they're transitioning to the next part of this scene, I love the cutesy talk between Henry and Punky. He's like, you got your chocolate chippies. And she's like, do you have your macaroonies? Yes. And it's, it's, it's so endearing because it quickly establishes like where their relationship is at by this point in the series. You know, you're just like, wow, like they really are connected. You know, they really are just they love each other so much. Like, it's wonderful. Yeah, they have a great relationship on the show. Yeah, and they keep that vibe throughout this entire couple of episodes. It's just so endearing throughout, and I really admired that. But Henry admits he's so used to being alone at Christmas, and with Punky in his life now, he promises to make this one the best ever. They get to talking about all the fun stuff they're going to do, and then Punky asks if they can make cranberry pudding, something her mom used to make. And that really makes her miss her mother. And here comes the sad music. Parky, something wrong. I was just missing my mom, that's all. And as refreshingly positive and innocent as this show was, it also knew how to get real. Yeah, I mean, that, that this reminded me how much of a dramedy punky brewster really was because yeah. you get like classic sitcom banter between henry and mrs johnson like they're the ones always stifling at each other and you know another character we'll talk about in a minute but it's like but otherwise it is very dramatic and sappy a lot of the times but in, a, in the best 80s way you know it tugs at the heartstrings definitely and the whole concept of this show is bananas just the idea of being abandoned in a supermarket which they would show in the opening titles. Mm -hmm. My God. Yeah, they show it at the beginning of every episode just to remind you, hey, this kid's had a life. Yeah, yeah. Some stuff has happened to her. Well, and when she talks about that pudding, I wanted to ask you guys, she says it was yamaroo. <laughs> and later on, she uses the term smasheroo. Did these terms catch on in your area? Was there punky slang flying back and forth in your uh, <laughs> in your elementary school classes? I don't think so. We went straight to uh, trying to beat Valley Girls in southern New Jersey. <laughs> Groceroo, I feel, took hold. Yeah, much closer. Like she used to say that as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Barfaroo sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. Uh, but yeah, that they really know how to like hit those sad notes when they need to. There's a famous episode of the show where Punky talks about wanting to be an astronaut and then has to watch the space shuttle Challenger explosion on TV. Ooh. Yeah. I heard a lot of people in our age range cite that as the first major news event they remember. Uh, it's the first one I remember, definitely. And shows like this, I feel like, helped a lot of us process that. And they turned that episode around in under two months, which is pretty impressive. And they brought in Buzz Aldrin. 
Yeah, that's right. He was in that episode. So, the big guns. That's right. Warning! Hi. Skip to 27 minutes and 31 seconds to avoid spoilers. Okay, later. Well, back at school, the kids are talking in the hallway about Santa Claus, prompting a bigger kid to tease them for believing that, quote, somebody that fat could fit down a chimney. My kids are still young as of this recording, so we haven't had to deal with that yet. How about you guys? Yeah, but my kids are nine and six, my older kids right now, and they are actually going through this at school right now because they still believe in leprechauns, the Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, Santa, all is alive and well at our house. And they've told me, they're like, you know, there's these girls over here who don't believe in that. And so, like, they have gravitated to the friends who still believe in magic. Those are the people they'll be friends with so they don't shatter the illusion. It's really interesting. Yeah, likewise, we we haven't had that talk yet. Hopefully, hopefully no Billy Bahootsis is. No <laughs> Billy Bahootsis is. How could somebody that fat fit down a chimney? And I'll bet none of you even has a chimney. No, but my mom says he goes through the little hole in the front of our dryer. <laughs> that tumbler couldn't fit in a dryer. My oldest is 11 right now and smooth sailing so far, but I, we're just kind of waiting and saying what happens because now middle school will be uh in in the picture come this coming christmas so yeah we'll see how it goes i think she'll be fine <laughs> she's a smart kid i gotta say though uh this billy Bahutsis kid he looks to me like a young hank azaria although i know hank azaria was not oh. that young at this point well <laughs> do you guys know who who he is i no, do he- Okay. Well, tell me about it. It's Danny Ponce. I recognized him as the kid Fonzie adopts at the end of Happy Days. Oh, wow. okay. I know him from the Hogan family slash yes. Valerie. Yes, he's uh, the middle son, <laughs> Willie. I like one turn this conversation takes about what Santa does at Homes Without Chimneys. Alan says, according to his mom, Santa gets through the little hole in front of the dryer. don't try that at home kids (laughs) but has either of you lived in a home without a chimney and had to figure out how santa gets in yes okay how did you deal with that well we've talked about this on podcasts before but my first uh movie that i saw in theaters was santa claus the movie oh that's right where he just kind of snaps his fingers and like just shows up in people's living rooms (laughs) yep so i was like all right he just snaps his fingers and shows up that's it they explained it well enough for me. Yeah, we we haven't really had to get into the physics of it too much with our kids, like him squeezing through things. Like we've never even watched the Santa Claus, which I feel like would explain a lot of that for kids, maybe. But yeah, like ultimately, we've just kind of said, well, you know, Santa finds his way and we'll leave the door unlocked for him. It's all good. Like we, we just say stuff like that. Just keep it simple. Yeah, my house doesn't have a fireplace. I live in Florida. Uh, There's a skinny roof vent, and that's all we got. And I know other families around here who have a special Santa key, but I'm I'm not doing that. Uh, I guess my (laughs) kids were satisfied with my answer, which is just, I don't know. I'm always asleep, but he's always gotten in. Wow, that's that's a good way to handle it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, we've seen the Santa Claus and... We've seen Noel and they make it work. The magical expanding chimney thing. <laughs> uh, but then Billy asks, how's he pay for all those toys? And Punky's quick to fire back. He doesn't. Elves make them. 
Well, then who pays the elves? And Margot so helpfully answers, maybe they're just happy to have jobs and a roof over their head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Margot. But according to Billy, even elves have to get paid minimum wage. Then he asks when the last time you were at the airport and saw a reindeer take off. Well, never, of course. They don't need to use the airport and take off. Can you imagine consumer flights having to share a runway with reindeer? That'd be a mess. (laughs) Just shut down all the airports on Christmas Eve. There it is. No one needs to go anywhere. (laughs) But even after all his terrible arguments, Billy seems to convince these kids that he's right about Santa. And the Easter Bunny just to twist that knife a little deeper with an evil prepubescent cackle. We then cut back to the apartment where Henry has a brief chat with the building's dorky maintenance guy, and oh my goodness, it's Eddie Deason. Eddie, what happened to you this time? I was down in the basement checking the furnace. Boy, it's really hot inside that thing. (laughs) Speaking of grease, (laughs) two grease cast members of this episode and all this series. And a, a Christmas uh, alumni, I guess you would say Christmas movies, because the Polar Express years later. Yes, he's a Christmas all-star now. Yeah. I immediately recognized his voice first from the Polar Express, and then I realized, oh, wait, he's also from Greece. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Oh, Eddie Deason. Uh, I also, when I was looking through his IMDb, he was the voice of Donnie Dodo in Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. Oh, now now I can hear it. Yep. Uh, here he's maintenance man Eddie, and then he's never seen again on Punky Brewster after this appearance. Oh, last appearance. This is his last appearance on Punky? This was his last appearance. Oh, my God. Just a walk in and he's gone. I didn't realize that because I remember him being a regular on the show. Yeah, he was in it like the first few episodes, definitely. Yeah. Right. Uh, That's according to uh, the Punky Brewster Wiki, which, of course, exists and is a wealth of information. And after uh, Eddie walks off the screen, never to be seen again, in walks a very sad Punky who tells George school was lousy because this jerk told her there's no Santa Claus. And Henry, of course, asks exactly what did this kid tell you? He said reindeer can't fly, fat people can't go down chimneys, and elves have to get minimum wage. <laughs> reindeer can't fly, fat people can't go down chimneys, and elves have to get minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> so Henry has Punky sit down and tells her there is a Santa Claus, but he's only real to people who believe in him. And if you believe in Santa, he can do anything. And I will say Henry's speech convinced me. Oh, yeah. George Gaines is amazing. Uh, That is is so, so impassioned, this speech. Listen to me. There is a Santa Claus. And he's very real. But he's only real to the people who believe in him. If you believe in Santa Claus, he can do anything. He can get the reindeer to fly, can go down chimneys, and he can make enough toys for every single boy and girl in the whole world. It's real. And can I just say that the commercial break where Punky says, I found out there's no Santa Claus, and then commercial? Yeah. You're going to go to commercial then? 
Yeah, if you're like five, you're just like, whoa, I'm not getting up from my seat until I figure out what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Santa Claus and I will be right back. I don't need a doctor. See, Dad, I'm fine. Come on, Terry. We just want to make sure there's nothing serious. Well, look, Dad, I'm as good as new. Nothing's wrong with me. Let's get out of here, okay? The doctor will see you now, Terry. Why she's acting? You think our dad was gonna throw her to hungry alligators? A funk wagon. If you're sick, doctors gonna help you. You know your parents wouldn't take you someplace to hurt you. Just want you to be fast so you can do all the things you like. Remember, your parents and the doctor only mean for you to feel good. There's nothing scary about that. Well, that wasn't so bad, was it? No, even the shot was a breeze. Now, what's this I hear about going to the dentist? That's Wonder Girl. See? I told you we'd be back. Well, and when we get back, Punky admits right now she's having a hard time believing, but then their conversation is cut short by a knock on the door. And it's an equally upset Cherry along with her grandmother, Mrs. Johnson, Betty... Played by Susie Garrett. Hi, Henry. I got your Christmas card. Here's the rent. Not a lot of credits on IMDb, but she notably co-founded an acting school with her younger sister, Marla Gibbs. Oh. From the Jeffersons. That's wild. They're sisters. That's crazy. Does she ever on 227? I mean, she had to have had a guest star. Uh, yeah, she she had a walk-on role, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before acting, Susie Garrett was a successful jazz club singer in Detroit. I can see it. She yeah, got that sense. voice. Absolutely. I got to say, though, this, I for all the episodes that I've watched, I never realized that she was Cherry's grandma i always thought she was just an old mom so i I made me realize how much more that there must be a story there that punky and sherry can really relate to each other because they both live with these older people and they don't have their parents in the mix maybe that's it i i remember like they know each other from the beginning of the series like the reason punky gets found out by henry is because cherry knows that punky's hanging out in this empty apartment and they're Mm -hmm. playing together yeah. I forget what the backstory is there. Yeah, I don't remember either, but 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 here both girls are very distraught and Punky invites Cherry. Come on, Cherry, let's go up to my room and not play. <laughs> <laughs> and when they leave the room, Henry tells Betty he's not letting some little Scrooge ruin Punky's first Christmas without her mother. There must be some way to prove to her that there's a Santa Claus. And with some goading from Betty, they land on the idea of Henry going to punky school dressed up as Santa. And Betty offers to make him the best Santa suit you ever saw. And the next day in class is a gift exchange. (laughs) Uh, Punky gives Margo a mirror. And Margo gives Punky a signed poster of herself. Best line in the whole episode there, my punky. Thanks, Margo. I always wanted a poster of Miss Piggy. <laughs> solid burn, solid burn, punky. And then yeah. Margo, of course, looking at herself in the mirror. I don't look like Miss Piggy. Oh, it's so plain great. as an insult, but Miss Piggy is a fashion icon. 
And Margot's outfit is very, I'm a fashionable eight-year-old girl in a 1984 Olin Mills photo shoot. So <laughs> wear it with pride. <laughs> the weird gift exchange continues with Cherry giving Alan just what he's always wanted, a giant rubber spider, and Alan giving Cherry his grandmother's false teeth. She got new ones. <laughs> Don't worry, she got new ones. <laughs> I love how weird Alan is. It, so it always made me bizarre. laugh as a kid, and I always wanted to be like him. Yeah. <laughs> well, his timing is so perfect, but he's so sincere. Like again, just in life, like he's not making a joke. He just <laughs> is yeah. that funny and goofy. No one puts him down. He's got a smile on his face the whole time. He gets that rubber spider, gives Cherry a little kiss on the cheek, and they both kind of giggle about it. And then Santa arrives in the classroom, and honestly. If we didn't have that scene before with Henry agreeing to the job earlier, I would not have recognized him. It's a pretty good transformation. He's a great Santa Claus. Yeah. Like, it made me wish that he had played Santa Claus in a movie or or show, not just, you know, on Punky Brewster. Yeah, he really has the look down. He's got just the classic. It looks like a real beard. I thought, I again, I... Wouldn't have known it wasn't a real beard Santa unless you had that scene from before. And most of the class gives Santa a big hug, but Punky and her friends who had that run in with Billy Bahootsis stand off in the back with skeptical looks on their faces. And Santa manages to convince them by knowing all their names and details like Margot's got a little pink bicycle at home and Cherry and Punky are best friends. But the thing that gets them most excited is Santa telling them that Billy Bahootsis is getting nothing for Christmas. <laughs> when people don't believe in Santa, he has to get a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Which is weird, but fine. Yeah. The kids take turns telling Santa what they want for Christmas, starting with Alan, who, according to the clock on the wall that we zoom in on, rattles off his list for 15 minutes. He wants a house at Disneyland. <laughs> A million dollars he asked for. A Learjet? Yeah. <laughs> well, the I house love, at Disneyland isn't going to pay for itself. <laughs> but I love how the intro to that is, you know, he has, he has to ask the classic question, have you been good boy this year? I had a pretty good August. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, I like that Santa dozed off there until Ms. Morgan interrupts. <laughs> So Punky's next, and she says there's only one thing she wants for Christmas, and Santa tells her he'll be sure to get it. But the one thing Punky wants is her mom back. There's only one thing I really want for Christmas. Only one thing? Then I'll make sure you get it. Really? Absolutely. I want you to bring back my mom. <gasps> And the audience gasps that I heard when she said that sounded so real. Right. For a second, I forgot that this was not taped before a live studio audience. That's canned gasps. (laughs) They they like felt so real to me that I was like, oh, man, someone in the audience had like a heart attack watching this. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, well, and to make matters worse, that's the end of part one, and thank goodness they decided to keep both parts together as an hour-long special, because that's quite a cliffhanger. And again, what a great commercial break. Like, two great commercial breaks in a row. Yeah, they really knew when to hit them, and then it was just like, all right, don't touch that dial. 
But after our commercial break, we cut to Mrs. Johnson helping Henry out of his Santa suit and very securely glued on beard. Yeah, he had that wisp of hair hanging off the whole scene. <laughs> yes. Couldn't quite get her detached. No, and they just keep the camera rolling because that was the good take. And Henry's naturally very upset that now Santa has to bring Punky's mother back somehow. And Mrs. Johnson replies, you should have told her Santa can't do everything, which we'll hear a few more times this special. <laughs> Wait, I got to say, you have to hand it to the Henry Warnemont character instead of being like hurt that Punky wants her mom when she now has him. He just dedicates himself to fulfilling Punky's wish. He just loves her so much. He's such a good guy. I love that about the writing in this. Yeah, he doesn't realize the uh, the implications of if he does find Punky's mother until much later. But yeah, that that's that's his goal now. Yeah. But Betty tells him, should have said you got your order in too late for a mom allows six to eight weeks to delivery. <laughs> but yeah, Henry's so determined to search the city for Punky's mother, he almost walks out into the snow half-dressed as Santa still. And that brings us to another montage. This one is Punky and Cherry bringing back and decorating a Christmas tree. And this is a cute, squat little tree they picked out. It's round in the middle, almost diamond-shaped, but once decorated, it looks perfect. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, it's the perfect 80s tree. It is just, yeah. the whole montage is so nostalgic. I love it. Yeah, likewise. That was really cool. It really is. It's just the right size that Punky and Cherry could carry it in for the scene. Good job, girls. Did y'all ever have to carry the Christmas tree into your house when you were a kid? <laughs> no. I don't think I assisted. I assisted, but my dad was on the other end, so it wasn't like my brother and me trying to bring this up the stairs. <laughs> but my dad also wasn't Cherry's grandmother. Get to work, kids. <laughs> I also enjoy the star wipe at the end to show the completely decorated tree. They had a lot of fun little, like, uh, you know, 80s digital effects in these. They did. Like yeah. those little green squares that kept transitioning between the shots. Yes. Even like the opening credits of the show with with Punky's name kind of spelled out each little letter at a time in her handwriting. Yeah. Well, because it, it's shot on video. Right. So all Which the effects are done on video. Did you notice the transfer even that they're showing has like skips? It has like video issues with the tracking. You're like, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah that's the yeah. copy they have and put on Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even like in the background, sometimes you would see like some distortion if if like a pattern was hard to read. Mm hmm. I noticed that as well. The way it was intended to be watched. That's right. <laughs> Standard def. Yep. So Henry finally returns and Punky excitedly tells him the good news that she saw Santa and he said he's going to bring Punky your mom for Christmas. And now Henry asks Punky, are you sure? Finding your mother's an awfully tall order, even for Santa. But too late. He didn't say he couldn't do it. And now Punky says, very matter-of-factly, she wouldn't have minded if Santa hadn't told her he couldn't do it. Santa can't do everything. <laughs> That's two. And now Henry says, are you sure Santa heard you correctly? There are a lot of words that sound like mom, like bomb. Bomb. That's it. Maybe Santa thought that you wanted him to bring you a bomb. 
Honey, nobody would want a bomb for Christmas. I had a question about this. Did he say bomb or did he say bum? And then is she giggling because bum can mean butt? Like, I didn't know what was going on there. Nobody wants a bum for Christmas, she says. That's what I thought at first. But then their next example is gum. And like Punky repeats it, gum? What's a gum? And not gum. (laughs) So then I'm like playing the conversation back in my head oh the first word was bomb yes punky's getting a bomb for christmas (laughs) which incidentally is the title of a made for podcast christmas movie i was in a couple of years ago wow that's in the show notes uh but cherry runs back in with a batch of freshly baked cookies to hang on the tree well, it was odd. And also, like, you know, Punky takes a bite to test it. That was a hard cookie. She's like, ah, like she, she really had to work on that to get a, a chunk out of it. I guess if they're made to hang on the tree. I mean, I've made ornaments out of cookie dough, but not with the intention of eating them later. Yeah. But while the kids are doing that, Henry is getting Betty an update on his search for Punky's mother. And despite getting nowhere closer to finding her, he refuses to let down Punky. And, and this part really touched me, he says. I've spent my entire life dreaming that someday I would have a child. And I believed in that dream with all my heart. Now I have that child. And I'll do everything in my power to see that her dreams come true. Man, George Gaines in this episode just goes for it. He gives a fully realized emotional performance. And, you know, sometimes when people talk about 80 sitcoms, they kind of laugh at how goofy the very special episodes were. But you have real actors giving real performances in some of those. And, like, you can see his eyes glistening in certain shots. Yeah, yeah. really. He gets into it. He he becomes Henry Warnemont in this episode. It's a beautiful performance. It's really, really powerful. Now, one thing I want to see if you guys noticed this, though, when he's in the kitchen, if you look out the window over the sink, there is a wreath on the brick wall outside of the kitchen window. And I'm like, do people in Chicago decorate their alleys? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Henry just like, I could just see him on a ladder. Yeah. Needs something to look at. Outside my kitchen window, besides this brick wall, it's Christmas, for goodness sake. Maybe that was the aforementioned bum (laughs) (laughs) who decorated his alley. There you go. (laughs) Got to make the place look nice. Uh, But that's followed by Punky shouting from the living room, Henry, come quick, we're about to light the Christmas tree. Which I'm sure just solidified everything Henry just said. And here's where he realizes... If he does find Punky's mother, he could lose Punky. And that fades into Punky and Cherry singing Oh Christmas Tree and into another break. Oh Christmas Tree, oh Christmas Tree, how beautiful and bright. And we return with Mrs. Johnson watching Punky and Cherry playing in the living room on what appears to be late Christmas Eve at this point to the tune of a song that goes, Santa Claus Lives in Santa Cruz. Santa Claus lives in Santa Cruz. He's got a weakness for the island blues. On the beach he can pick and choose. Such a tropic paradise. 
Yeah, I was like, what is this song? Like, I, tell us about it, Mike. Were you able to find it? I searched for Santa Claus Lives in Santa Cruz. The first result on Google was a review of this episode. <laughs> but a little farther down, I found a link to the copyright encyclopedia and the copyright holders to this song are Rick Howard and Bob Worth, who wrote music for this show, and a few others from around the same time. They wrote the theme to Silver Spoons. So this song was apparently released by them as a single in 1984, credited to The Hitmen. But by and large, it looks like this song is exclusive to this episode of Punky Brewster, which is just a strange place to drop it. Yeah, punky original there. That's pretty cool. I gotta yeah. see. There's got to be a 45 single of that out there somewhere. It looks like it. It looks like I found an, another site that I'll put in the show notes that a, a 45 was printed. How many copies? It doesn't say, but uh, it's out there. Or you could grab just the first half of it from this episode because it's <laughs> it's another little just a pan over the scene. But while that's going on, Henry's on the phone waiting to. Waiting on hold with Chicago PD. Back out in the living room, Betty asks Punky about a big, beautifully wrapped package under the tree, and Punky says it's earrings for her mom when she's here. And unfortunately, we don't stop or even get a laugh track at the fact that this giant box just has earrings in it. (laughs) Well, and I was wondering, did Punky make them? I'm going to assume so. She did uh, scrounge up some cash to go buy actual earrings. I'm sure she made them, especially based on what she gives Henry later. Yeah. So, but uh, I need to ask about that box. Did either of you ever do as a joke where you would wrap a gift in a much larger box? I was never so mischievous. <laughs> yeah, that's a good gag. Yeah, I haven't either, but I feel like this might be the year to do it while the kids still get a kick out of it. <laughs> well, and I thought you were going to ask maybe, have you ever wrapped a gift like they always do on TV where you wrap the box and you wrap the lid separate so you could just pull it off real quick without ripping wrapping paper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the one special that comes to mind when I think about that way of wrapping a gift is the Christmas toy because as hard as it is for people to open a gift quickly on camera, it's even harder for a Muppet to do it. (laughs) So Henry now tries to talk to Punky about her mom, but she interrupts by going through her plans on how Christmas morning is going to go when she gets there, which includes singing their favorite song together. And this is a more recognizable song. Punky sings, I got the sun in the morning at the moon at night from Annie, get your gun. Got no diamonds, got no pearls, still I think I'm lucky. I got sun in the morning and the moon at night. I got sun in the morning and the moon at night. Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was like almost made up. I don't know. I had never heard that before. So I was like, what is this song? Yeah, likewise. That's a real song from the show, Annie, Get Your Gun. And uh, it was a single by Doris Day. And because this is Punky's show, she gets up on the coffee table to sing it as only Punky can. (laughs) And after that, the phone rings and Henry goes in the kitchen to get it. Because you see, kids, the phone used to hang on the wall with a cord. (laughs) But it's the police telling Henry they found a woman matching his description of Punky's mother, who was brought into the hospital for exposure to the cold. So out he goes, quickly telling Punky he's got last minute shopping to do. And next we get a short 
couple of what looked like B-roll scenes of people in the city walking through the snow under dim streetlights. And for some reason, that brought me back to 1984 just as much as anything else in this special. I love when they do that on sitcoms, when they cut to like some stock footage from like the news oftentimes. Yeah, it felt very 80s action news. Yeah, it's like coming up, wind a storm, about to hit Chicago. (laughs) It's like those, you know, people like walking with, you know, the park is on and (laughs) the snow blasting them. The lights are just so dim, the street lights that they feel kind of red and ominous. Yeah, yeah. But next we cut to a charming little antique store playing Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters on an old gramophone record player. You better watch out. You better not cry. Look it up, kids. (laughs) We see Henry outside peeking through the window, very confused, and decides to come in from the cold. And the owner of the store comes in to welcome him with a cheerful Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Can I help you with something? And this old shopkeeper is played by Iggy Wolfington, who was more famous as a stage actor. He was in the original Broadway cast of The Music Man as Marcellus Washington. Huh. I mean, that that name, though, is right up there with Finn Wolfhard. You know, like <laughs> yeah. just, they, just, they belong in a club. <laughs> well, and just like for this scene, just to say, you know, this was shot in Los Angeles and George Gaines is acting like he's freezing cold and he's doing it so convincingly that I was like, God, this poor guy's got to warm up. Get him something. Yeah, yeah. He's just he plays exhausted so convincingly. He's great. I forgot this was filmed in Los Angeles <laughs> from this scene. Like he nails it. Uh, so I'm going to spoil it now. We find out much later that this is the real Santa Claus. And I only spoil it now because this is one of the very few clean-shaven Santas I remember seeing. How about Mm -hmm. you? Definitely. What I love about the premise here is that he's basically an undercover Santa, and usually you get a homeless or possibly crazy man claiming to be Santa. Nobody believes them. And this guy is super subtle about it. It's fantastic. I, I agree with exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah, it's very subtle until the pieces come together and you realize, hey, wait a minute. And then the thought immediately goes to for me was this is a clean shaven Santa. I mean, you have Tim (laughs) Allen in parts of the Santa Claus movies, but he grows the beard. Uh, And we'll get another connection to that particular Santa in a minute. But this guy is very, very clean shaven. He's got white hair and glasses. But other than that, there's no obvious indication at first that this is Santa. He's not wearing anything red. And I like how they reveal it very slowly. Yeah, he just talks very knowingly. Like the things he says, you know, you're like, oh, okay. He just seems so confident that Santa's going to do this and Santa's going to do that. Yeah, and the... Very first tiny hint is after Henry says he's surprised any store is open at this hour on Christmas Eve. And and this store owner says Christmas Eve is his biggest night. (laughs) Yeah, he does drop little hints like that. Yeah, they make small talk and Henry launches into his story about how he let his foster daughter believe Santa could bring her mother back. And the shopkeeper takes off his glasses in shock. You could have told her Santa couldn't do everything. (laughs) And there's the hat trick. (laughs) 
Doesn't that doesn't that actually doesn't that feel like it was written by a writer who like their kids are asking for ponies every year and all this stuff? And it's just like we gotta drill this into the heads of the kids of America. Santa can't do everything. Be reasonable, okay? <laughs> well, now that you mention that, yes, that makes perfect sense. Someone wasn't getting a pony, but this is how to uh, soften the blow. So Henry continues saying the woman at the hospital was not Punky's mother, and now he's feeling hopeless, but this store owner tells him there's always hope, and maybe Santa will bring her mother. And now Henry decides, well, I gotta go. <laughs> this guy's crazy. <laughs> I gotta say, though, when Henry describes playing Santa as his finest hour... Like I, I relate because I've played Santa so many times in my life over the last 20 years. I don't know how I keep getting roped into it, but I have my own <laughs> costume just because it happens so often. And my kids are still a little bit suspicious from the one time they had to sit on my lap when I was playing Santa. But I just play dumb, you know, I'm just oh, like, wow. I'm, well, I wasn't there. So how would I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. That's but, funny. Yeah. I would love to play Santa, but I think my kids are way too smart. <laughs> oh. I don't have a very good poker face. I plus you have a very distinct voice. Yeah, and I think it'd be that. hard to hide the Mike West fall. <laughs> uh, but Henry adds he'll believe in Santa when he sees Susan Brewster in his apartment. After all, seeing is believing. But the owner says, No, you've got it backward. And here's the Tim Allen Santa Claus connection. He says, Where I come from, believing is seeing. Then he offers to give Henry a jewelry box to give the punky on the house. And it's this beautiful wooden jewelry box. But Henry says he couldn't accept it. And he goes to leave. And if this conversation hasn't clued you in yet on what's happening here, three things happen. First, if you look closely, you can now see the sign outside the shop. It says Nick's Nook. <laughs> That's a great name. It is. Now, I have to tell you, uh, subtitles are very misleading on Peacock because later on when Henry makes a call and he's asking about Nick's Nook, the subtitles said Nick Snook. Like oh, that guy's it. name is Nick Snook. And that's what he's listed <laughs> under in the book. I was just like, that's hilarious. Oh, I didn't have the subtitles on. But yeah, that sounds like something that they would do. Um. But two, speaking of names, the shopkeeper says, have a Merry Christmas, Henry. Despite Henry never giving his name in this scene. Uh, and three, Henry reveals he grew up in this neighborhood and never noticed this antique shop before. And the shopkeeper replies, guess you've never needed one before. Hmm. That was such a little mysterious conversation. Yes. <laughs> I was re it. It was, you know, so Santa basically built a shop out of nothing just because he saw Henry coming, essentially. I guess I, Henry needed it. Henry needed Santa in that hour, and that's where he found him. Okay, sure. Shaved the beard and called it a day. Yup. <laughs> Gotta disguise himself. <laughs> uh, so we know what's just transpired, but now it's time for the real magic to happen as Henry heads home. And we cut to early Christmas morning as Punky goes into the living room and find, among other new arrivals, a Punky Brewster brand bicycle. Yes, I had to ask about this because the show logo is on the basket of this bike. Did these exist? Was this product placement? 
I'm sure it had to exist as some sort of custom Huffy bike. Yeah. I mean, cause like, you know, we have like, you know, the big wheels, like I had a transformers, big wheel and oh, stuff yeah. back in the day, but I'm yep. just like, and I'm, you know, there are plenty of bikes that have those, you know, different things on the front, you know, to make it into a character licensed bike, but punky Brewster, I mean, there were toys, there was a Glober doll. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> yeah. like there must've been a bike somewhere. There must've been, I feel like uh, having a bicycle was a bigger thing on the cartoon too. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. Well, this was before that, so I don't know. But but Punky excitedly wakes up a very groggy Henry to show him Santa brought the bike and the dollhouse and filled all their stockings. And I love Punky's rainbow-colored stocking that's longer than Henry's and the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> also, did you guys notice the electric guitar power chords that are being played in the background as part of the score? Like, yes! that's the Christmas morning thing. It's like, bang! Yeah, I'm like, I want that to be part of my holiday soundtrack. It was awesome. It was very aggressive. Yeah. Of note in her stocking is both Raggedy Ann and Andy. But now she starts looking around for her mom and Henry tells her, I guess Santa wasn't able to find her. I'm sure he tried as hard as he could. Uh, And then he gets her mind off it pretty quickly by saying, let's open our presents. So Punky gives Henry her gift to him. It's a very big homemade pipe that looks like she made it out of clay and painted it. (laughs) 1984, pipes are still okay. Santa and Frosty have pipes. When I was a kid, I thought they were whistles like Popeye. (laughs) Well, in modern day, would she have sculpted him a vape pen out of clay? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) And Henry gets Punky a pair of mismatched roller skates that are smasheroo. They called them sneaker skates. When yeah. She pulled them out of the box. I was like, is that a thing? I've never heard that expression before. They're just roller skates. Yeah. That are mismatched like everything Punky wears. So it's perfect. <laughs> but then she notices a present on the coffee table and Henry doesn't know what it is. But the label says to Punky from Santa. And she opens it up to find the jewelry box from the antique store. And it's not just any jewelry box. Punky identifies it as her mom's. Sure enough, on the back of it are her mother's initials, SB. And to remove any more doubts, the jewelry box is also a music box that, when opened, plays I've Got Sun in the Morning and the Moon at Night. Listen to this. I remember watching this like on a rerun when I was a kid on the family channel and this moment like took my breath away. I got really emotional. You know, it started to feel like Punky's mom might come back. And so, yeah, it it always hits me whenever I watch it. Yeah. Especially when she actually opens up the music box to reveal, no, this is my mother's. This is our song. Uh, And Henry is rightly kind of terrified here. (laughs) (laughs) How did he know my name? Right. That's when he realizes, wait a minute. And if you didn't catch it before, I caught it the first time. But but if you didn't catch it before, they kind of bring Schrodinger's knowing of Henry's name. And now Punky goes to check on something under the tree and the box of earrings for her mom are gone. So she reasons Santa couldn't bring her mother for some reason, but instead delivered the earrings for her and the music box for her mom. 
But how confused must Punky's mom have been to get earrings? Be like, what the? These <laughs> come from because there's no setup for her. She wasn't expecting. She wasn't asking Santa for earrings from her kid. You yeah, know? really. She knew. She knew it was from Punky. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, and then we have a uh, Cherry and Betty dropping by at the end here. Cherry in a new sweat in a new sweatsuit. And her grandmother with a new shower cap and poodle skirt that Cherry got for her. It's a look. (laughs) Uh, And Henry gets on the phone asking for the number of Nick Snook, apparently. (laughs) 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 On Michigan Avenue. But the operator tells him there's no such store. And we end with Henry looking upward while Punky's music box plays and simply says, thanks, Thanks, Santa. We got one last Merry Christmas and we're out. His thanks, Santa, really hit me on this viewing. Like he says it with such a heartfelt tone and look in his eyes. It's just it's just beautiful. Yeah, Uh, he's very thankful to have Punky in his life and now to keep her in his life. Uh, And that, you know, he really saved Christmas here. Santa always does that, doesn't he? He's got a knack for it. (laughs) Well, and so I remember, like, you know, as a kid, the idea that they kept dangling Susan Brewster in front of us, that Punky would reunite with her mother, and then never paying it off was, like, both heartbreaking and terrifying. And it was like, how could they do that to kids in the audience? who were waiting for Punky to, you know, reunite with her mom. And yet I'm kind of glad that they took that route. And it's just like, this is your life now. And thank goodness you have someone who actually cares about you enough to take you in and make you part of their family. So I, I understand why they did it, but you're right. It's just that they never paid that off. But I think that was very intentional not to, and probably for the better. I mean, because otherwise it would have come out like that famous Fresh Prince episode where Will's dad comes back. Oh, yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, that wasn't a happy resolution at all. Well, not so. Should we spoil what happens in the new? I think it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the spoiler, if you haven't watched the new Punky Brewster, I would recommend pausing now. (laughs) Go ahead. I, I won't be upset. Essentially, at the end of the first episode. You know, Punky's now is a, a mom. She's raising all these foster kids. She's got a great life. Freddie Prince Jr. is her ex-husband. Uh, blah, hey, blah, blah. Right. She gets a call from her mom. Mm-hmm. And that ends the first episode of the show. <laughs> and I was just like, no, they're not doing it. They're not going there. Oh, my God, this is amazing. And then you have to wait like the next nine episodes, right? It's the last episode of the first yeah. season. And she reunites with her mom. Like they have a whole episode where the where Punky and her mom get together and talk and like talk this out. And it ends well. It ends well. Wow. You know, he's she says how important uh, Henry was to her and how Henry was the best father. And the mom had a drug problem and and all this kind of stuff. And it's uh, yeah, it's really powerful. Wow. So at least, yeah, the the book was closed, even though we're not getting a second season of Punky Brewster, I don't believe. But at least they were able to cap it off her story. Yeah, that's a great return to that. Wow. Now, now I definitely have to watch this. 
It's it's actually it's a pretty good show. I thought. Yeah, they have uh, just like in the original. They have some great kid actors. The oldest daughter is pretty fantastic. Yes, nice. Yes. Well, any final thoughts on this Christmas special? I mean, I I love this one. Uh, in terms of eighty sitcom Christmas episodes, this is a uh, you know top top five for me. Uh, it's there's a second season Christmas episode of Punky Brewster as well. Yes, I saw that where she's shoplifting. <laughs> she shoplifts, and it's not. It doesn't have. It doesn't hit the emotional moments that this one does. So this one is definitely uh, my favorite. Uh, yeah, and just watching it again. Uh, it, I think it's the George Gaines performance that really pushes this one over the edge. Yeah, he definitely carries the whole thing in a big way. And I, this is where I reveal that this was a first time watch of this, these episodes or this special, however you want to put it for me. I had never oh, seen wow. it before. And it really, yeah. And I watched it twice in preparation for the show and I, it hit me both times. Like, wow, this is a fantastic television Christmas episode because again, because of the nature of Punky Brewster, it doesn't lean so heavily into the laughs at all. Like it plays it straight on so many levels. And so, yeah, like, you know, like the best Christmas stories do, you know, you really feel the emotion of the characters. It's not just about kind of mocking the holiday or anything like it's so often, you know, maybe done in, in modern day sitcoms. So I really, really enjoyed it. It'll be in rotation now for me. Oh, nice. Yeah, me too. I might even show it to the kids. It was just... This is both timeless and at the same time, very early 80s, but in a way that's still very charming and very powerful today. And I think it could still work for any audience. So thank you for recommending this, Stephen. Oh, yeah, you're very welcome. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Do you guys remember the episode of Full House, the Christmas episode when they get stuck in the airport on Christmas Eve? And there's like an old man in the airport who it turns out is Santa Claus. (laughs) It was kind of a trope that they were playing where some random old guy is really Santa Claus. I'm sure that's Uh, on TV trope somewhere. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, And thank you both for joining me on this one. It was Smasheroo. (laughs) (laughs) You brought it back. That's right. Uh, and if people want to give you the gift of their grandmother's old false teeth, where would you like them to find you on the Internet, Stephen? Well, if you go to ufoclubfilm.com, uh, that's the movie I directed uh, this last year. So, yeah, that's kind of uh, where I am now. Yes, I'm excited to see it. And Adam. Well, uh, you can pretty much find everything I'm doing these days at theretronetwork.com, where I have uh, multiple podcast series, whether you like VHS collecting, 90s comics, or thrift store shopping. It's all there. Uh, but also, you can find me on Twitter at Hoju Coolander, where I'm always sharing the latest finds and goodies from yesteryear. So if you're feeling nostalgic, hop on over there. Yes, please check out all of those things. My friends just mentioned all of those are in the show notes at adventcalendar.house. You can say hi to me on Twitter at FallWestMike or at AdventCalHouse. And I'll be back with another even lesser known Christmas special in just a couple of days. Until then, for Stephen and Adam from my magical antique store that only exists when you need one, 
This is Mike Westfall reminding you to be careful of the icy patch, and yes, Punky, there is a Santa Claus. Good night, y'all. Merry Christmas from all of us at Punky Boost. And now, these messages. Hey there, comic book fan. We've got a few questions for you. Were you obsessed with X-Men as a kid? Did you stand in line to get a copy of the death of Superman in the black poly bag? Did you buy every image comic no matter how long it took to hit the shelves? Then have we got the show for you. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is the podcast where Adam and Michael re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine and explore the world of gimmick covers, massive crossover events, and find out if those 20 copies of X-Force number one you stashed in your long box really did put your kids through college. And that's not all. We also bring you exclusive interviews with former Wizard staff members who tell behind-the-scenes stories from the guide to comics that defined a generation. In our special series, The Wizard Files. And wait, there's more! You'll get mini-episodes with 90s comic book reviews and more nostalgic fun. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is brought to you by the Retro Network every Wednesday. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast app, and remember to keep your books bagged and boarded. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... The Christmas tree train is coming, bringing trees for all the kids. Oh, the little comfort belly shakes a lot like jelly. See the smoke come from the stack as the chug chug chugs along the track.